Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back, listeners. As always, your host, Steve Opolinik, for Break the Chains, Find Your Flame. Thanks for tuning in. I know it's been a couple weeks since we've had an episode. I had to take a couple breaks to take some stock on some programming that we're doing for the Promethean Project, but I'm really happy to be back with our guest today, Angelica Lopez. Uh, She's a friend of mine who's pretty badass, as you'll see as we talk in, in this episode and has a lot of awesome gems of knowledge, reframes, and information about life, mental health, physical health, and spiritual health and wellness. She's perfect for the podcast, so I'm really glad we were able to get her on. She is a 200-hour yoga teacher through the Yoga Sanctuary. She's also completed teacher training and certificate programs with Veterans Yoga Project, Yoga for Cancer, Transcending Sexual Trauma Through Yoga, and is currently involved in the Prison Yoga Project. Angelica teaches out of Yoga Sanctuary, Breathing Space, and Bienstar, which is a program through UMass that offers wellness classes for Spanish-speaking communities. She has so much information and so much wealth of knowledge that, you know, I think... Having her on is fantastic because we get to tap into it a little bit more, but even more so, we're really excited to partner with Angelica. The Promethean Project is partnering with Angelica, and we're going to start putting together some programming based on Y12SR, which is Yoga as a 12-Step Recovery Program. So we're putting that together. We're hopefully having a class by the end of this month. Angelica and I are going to sit down and put the specs together. And then I will release a trailer on what it is, how you can contact us, and be a part of it. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Welcome, Angelica, to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Do you think you could give an introduction of yourself to our listeners to kind of talk about who you are, your passions, your loves, and all things Angelica? Sure. Um, So I'm Angelica. I'm born and raised in Holyoke. and I am now a 200-hour um, registered yoga teacher. I decided to make a career shift during the worst year ever <laughs> <laughs> from a veterinary technician to a yoga teacher, but it's been working out. Um, and I've done, my main goal is to get into um, trauma work. Um, so I've done a lot of um, additional trainings, including uh, training with the Veteran Yoga Project, uh, Yoga for Cancer training, um, transcending sexual trauma through yoga, um, 
and so on and so on. I'm currently doing um, training with the Prisoner Yoga Project right now, which is I'm learning a whole lot about Very the prison cool. system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, well, there's so much to that, right? Like you just kind of glossed over so many different types of yoga trainings that you've done, yeah. which I think are really important because when you talk to talk about yoga to people, they're like, oh, the asanas, right? Oh, uh, hand balancing or downward dog or, you know, right. sabasana and all those things have their places. But I think a lot of times people don't understand that yoga is much, oh, there. There's one voice crack. Uh, <laughs> people don't understand that yoga is actually much more than just the fi- the physicality of the poses and things of that nature. Right. The physical practice is actually just one limb of the eight limbs of yoga. Um, and honestly, it was uh, originally done so that boys would be able to sit still during meditation because otherwise it's harder. It's hard to ask a seven year old. <laughs> still I don't know how old they were when they started but you know what I mean yeah um so you've gone your trainings aren't the flashy yoga trainings um so to speak right like a lot of people look at yoga styles um that those training backgrounds people know of hot yoga people know of ashtanga people know of the the asanas that look really intense. I think some people even know about the altered nostril breath control that that's taught the pranayama. Pranayama, Um, But I don't think a lot of people understand how influential yoga is to the nervous system, to mental health, to spiritual health, and then also to implement in, in those services that you're talking about. So can you tell me a little bit about what drew you to that kind of training because it you know when you ask a regular yoga teacher a regular yoga teacher air quotes um what kind of trainings they're doing they're not always doing those prisoner uh yoga or the cancer yoga or you know sexual trauma yoga work um is not necessarily at the forefront of what everyone talks about when they talk about yoga training so i'm wondering what drew you to that and um how that kind of corresponded in your life. Sure. Um, so I will be honest, I got into it because it looked cool. Uh, <laughs> it's like most people, you know, they see all the cool poses and stuff. And, you know, I, I was probably 13 or so and I saw Wylana on PBS and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> um, and it, But it wasn't really until I got to college, um, which was a really difficult phase was well, difficult for most people but for me um my brother had just died of cancer and I just started going to therapy and so it was really really tough like there were times where I would just skip classes you know it was really really hard uh experience for me but throughout all of that I had yoga class um and I signed up of course because it was cool and it looked cool and I wanted to do that but the teacher taught more about what it was really about. She, uh, her name's Maria Laporte, uh, still teaching today. Um, and she- Shout out to Maria. Yeah, thank you, Maria. Um, so she taught um, about like Thich Nhat Hanh um, and just a lot more about more introspective ideas. Right. Um, and so everyone has their kind of turning point with yoga. It's kind of that cliche moment in Shavasana where you're crying and you don't know why. and I literally had that moment and I was like, this is, this is it for me. Um, 
but even then I hadn't decided to teach. It wasn't until years later um, when I was in therapy, my therapist told me about Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. So all these shout outs along the way. Shout out to Joyce, wherever you are. Um, <laughs> uh, and in that book, I learned about um, yoga for trauma and all the work being done um, in Boston. Um, and that's when I decided I wanted to become a yoga teacher because I wanted to be able to help people embody themselves again um, and find empowerment and find love for themselves um, after dealing with any kind of trauma that that made them lose that. Yeah, I like that. It may just be the therapist in me, but I like that term embodiment um, because I do think that's a huge thing that happens that we know happens with trauma or, you know, big trauma or, or, or little trauma, depending on your interpretations of those things. And we, we know those are different for each person. So we know huge things uh, like sexual abuse or you know, car accidents or, or losing someone can be really traumatic, but there are a number of other things individually for each person that is trauma. Sometimes when I talk to people about that, I'll ask them any trauma in, in your backstory so we can kind of pay attention. You don't have to get into it right now, but like, just want to know what's going on. And a lot of times they'll say things like, no, no, no trauma. And then like 10 minutes later, they're like, well, there was this one time where I was doing something and this person died in front of me. I'm like, yeah, that that qualifies as a traumatic experience. Like if it's getting stuck in your body and, and you're uh, disconnecting from the reality of the situation and kind of looking outside of yourself and things of these natures. And so I like the concept of embodiment because I do think so much of, of trauma work is this disconnection from things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and yoga is really good about bringing you back in, in a generative way and not forcing its way in and, and gently kind of reconnecting to self. Right. And as important as talk therapy is, um, there are certain things that can't be explained in words. Uh, for example, with, you know, childhood abuse, kids don't have the words to even define what's happening. Um, and in every trauma situation, you know, things kind of, especially when you go into freeze, um, you know, things stop at the, at the reptile brain. So we, we can't process it. We can't timestamp it and it lives in us. Um, and so it's, you have to be able to move it out in some way or another. And however, you know, people find many ways to do that in dance yeah. or karate or however, I just found yoga. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that story of, you know, from your own personal journey, of you know losing your brother and then going to therapy about it and then having these memories come up and starting yoga to look cool and do all these asana poses and kind of be badass and i've seen your yoga it is pretty badass thank you <laughs> uh, and finding that oh this actually can be really generative too and this is actually my way to to navigate through a lot of this stuff and help other people find that too so I like that concept because sometimes when I talk to people, uh, they come to their profession or their passions out of a personal journey. And sometimes it's more of a professional inquiry. And I feel like yours is, is very much both of those things combined. And, and it's exciting. It's, it's when you live 
and chase the passion, I think it, it creates so many offshoots of gener generative uh, opportunities for people in realness, right? I could go take a yeah. yoga class and person certified and not connect in the way that we're talking mm -hmm. about why yoga is really therapeutic, um, not just for mental health, but just in general. Right. And then I could go and a, a different person doesn't have all the accolades that this other professional yoga teacher has but can move me in a way that I'm like oh this is the shit this is what I need right. to to move forward and I think that's great that yeah I mean I think a lot of people can find whatever they're looking for in a practice um you know if you want a physical practice you can find that kind of anywhere but yeah it's those teachers who who uh believe it wholeheartedly um that you really get something more something right. deeper you know well i think that's we can say that about anything right because i well, yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> i've met a lot of therapists who really don't care it's a paycheck or you know maybe they started to get into it um for one reason and it's just became you know wrote and and now it's just like oh well you know it pays my bills so i'm gonna go through it um and they're not actually there they're not present when they're counseling and um, you see a lot of turnover in those, those situations, because especially in, in, in counseling, people are going to know when you're not connected to them and it's not, or when you're not there for them or supportive. And I think that's, that's a great way is when you live that passion and it's evident, you can do great things. That's awesome. Cool. Um, so you're on your journey. You did the 200 hours, right? Um, got to, got really intimate with yoga. You're, you're pursuing your other things. You left your job being an amazing vet tech, because I know you, you are friends with my sister who also is a vet tech and, and kind of went there. So I think that's awesome that you're chasing that passion. How does it manifest for you? How do you practice your yoga personally? And then I want to ask a little bit about how, what you're doing now with your practice for others. Sure. Um, personally, my yoga, I, I'm, you know, everybody is trying to live their yoga, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying, especially now it's difficult, <laughs> but I, I just trying to currently go over a lot of the, um, historical texts. Um, and, um, one of my teachers, and friends now um, has a little book club with me where we kind of go over the texts and discuss, uh, discuss the philosophy behind it. Um, so it's really just a consistent learning. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm doing the yoga uh, prisoner project right now. Um, so just trying to continue to learn and trying to be good and do good. I guess for lack of a I better think we, way to put it. <laughs> we need that now more than ever, I think. People yeah. trying to to be good and do good. I think that's important. So big thumbs up over here for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like what you said with that. We're, we're trying to live our yoga, right? Because mm -hmm. the concept of yoga is, uh, the meaning of yoga is like yoke right and so this combination of of all these aspects and so living your yoga as opposed to 
just having a, a small practice of, oh, I do yoga every day is a different concept. And so I think it, I think, you know, you mentioned the eight limbs of yoga, right? I want to go into that in a little bit, but, you know, besides the, the educating yourself and reading and researching and talking about the, what does living your yoga mean to you? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> for me, it means knowing that we are all truly one. It's, it's going to sound kind of like hippy dippy, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, yeah. It's just knowing and behaving as though we are all truly connected. And even if you don't believe that spiritually, you can look at it scientifically and know that, yes, we are all made of the same things mm. and we all exist on the same planet. <laughs> so we are joined uh, by many factors and it would be best if we behaved accordingly. <laughs> okay. So kind of externalizing the, this concept of what yoga is to the bigger picture of like, we're all here. Right. We all have right. to be connected, right? Right. Um, oh, just more, just thinking along the lines of like, what, how can I contribute to, to the world? How can I make it better? Right. In my own little way. That's awesome. I think that's really cool because when you talk about, you know, that hippy dippy kind of concept of we all are one, right? Which, yeah. you know, it's a, unfortunately it's being bastardized right now with all lives matter. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is super shitty. But when you talk about that, it's really talking about connection. And I think that's a big concept of, of living your yoga, like you're talking about, is we need to be connected more than disconnected if, if we're going to, to self and then to other people that are around exactly. us. Yep. And if we're disconnected, there's no generative outcome to that. No right. one's, no one's going to go through life and say, Hey, I'm completely disconnected from myself and other people and I'm going to change the world. Right. Cause they wouldn't even have right. that concept because it'd be all about self. So there's no generative outcome from disconnection and, you know, I think we talked briefly because we're, we got something in the works that we're going to plan together for the Promethean Project and yourself talking about the opposite of addictive behaviors and not just, not just substances, but also food and behavioral addictions and even an addiction to depression or an, an addiction to anxiety, which are more intricate than they sound. The opposite of that is connection. Right. Because those things, these addictive qualities of life or shameful qualities that we try to hide, isolate us. And so if we're talking about recovery or if we're talking about making movements forward and, and things, it's, it, it lies at connection. And I know yoga talks a lot about that connection and things that disconnect. And I was reading something recently about the, what they call the, the seeds of disconnection. Right. And there, I think there are five of them. Let's see if I can remember them off the top of my head. But the concept of fear disconnects us. The concept of avoidance disconnects us. Ego disconnects us. Ignorance disconnects us. And I forgot the fifth one, but 
I'll look it up real quick because it's right here. Um, but in the meantime, so those concepts I, I think are really interesting because when you think about that, we often think about people who do that to us, right? Or how society does that to us, but we also do that to ourselves. Um, so I'm wondering, and I'm going to posit a question here after I ramble and, and find the fifth <laughs> seat of disconnection in my notes. Um, how does that come up for you as a yoga teacher and how do you work through that? Let me see. I just found it. Attachment. Duh, I'm Buddhist. What, I can't even think of the word attachment. <laughs> An over-attachment, right? Um, so those, the theory of connection, how does that come up for you when, when you're teaching or outreaching? And then these ideas of disconnection, how does, how do, how does that manifest and how do you this is a heavy question, so you don't have to answer all of it, but like, how do you start to overcome those when you're working with people? Sure. Um, so in terms of literal connection, um, I think just the fact that I can empathize with a lot of people, um, you know, when I go into a recovery class, I'm not looking at a bunch of people who were addicted to substances. I'm looking at people who experience trauma and I get that, you know? And so base, I just go in with that relationship. Like, yeah, awesome. we all respond to it differently. Um, and I, you're, I'm no better than you because I didn't do that. You know, I could have just as easily gone down that path, you know? Um, and I think on that same vein, the whole purpose behind my class is to create that connection with themselves and then hopefully back into uh you know communities in the world as a whole but originally it's just you know feel into your body like can you feel your feet on the floor you know mm -hmm. and just starting there that's awesome because i it and it's not talked about a lot right because we think that everyone can do that oh just feel your feet on the floor just do that but i think right. sometimes there's fear to that especially with trauma sometimes right. there's real fear of connecting in that way because disconnection from self or body or or mind is a protective feature at times right. and so to ask someone to do that is asking a lot mm -hmm. um and i think also you know i was in a meditation training and a mindfulness training i, I brought it up uh, on the podcast before but there's a very interesting aspect of when you work with people just in general, taking in account of people's individuality is really important, right? Because I might ask someone to do something in a session because I've gone through the same thing and worked through my own trauma or anxiety or depression and like, Oh, okay. But my viewpoint is very fixed in the sense it's my viewpoint. Um, and I have a ton of privilege that other people don't have because, you know, I'm a white straight male who's able-bodied. So I'm, I'm at the top of that. And so for me, if I just blankly ask people to do something that I feel comfortable with, I'm missing out on cues of other people's disconnection and it might push that disconnection more and they may pull away or stay away from therapy or stay away from the practice of exploring self and, and working on self. Mm -hmm. And so in this training, 
there was a fantastic speaker and she was talking about meditation and mindfulness and how a lot of times that looks different when working with BIPOC because to ask someone to sit and stay still when society constantly has them in danger is a different experience than asking a white person who doesn't have that same trauma to sit still in a space that they may not know. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said that, that connection and, and individuality with how you work with people is really important. Right. And I, I do always introduce before my class, you know, everything that I offer is an offering. So at no point do they have to, they can sit the whole time and not do anything, you know, like it's their practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it's important to remind people that, especially in these particular um, avenues, these particular branches of people um, with trauma, you know, it's important to remind them that they have a say. That's great. And it introduces, in, introdu- I'm going to edit this out. It introduces the concept of no matter what situation, there is a, a concept of control that we can put in place, even if it's in something as simple as that. Right. And that grows, right? Like when you practice mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness is, is really strong because it's a choice. You choose to do it in that moment without judgment. And that's how I'm, that's how it's so strong in what it does when you practice is because you're choosing to sit in that moment and be mindful as opposed to letting your thoughts take you somewhere else. Right. And that's why it's helpful. And it's also why it's really hard. <laughs> you know, yeah, do, yeah. You know? I will say I am terrible at yeah. just meditating. <laughs> it, it's super hard to do, and and I think my favorite thing about it is it's just the consistency. It's a it's a discipline that you have to build to do, and you know the more you can do it, the better outcome it will have. Even if you have a really shitty meditation it's still generative to you because you're still practicing and still devoting that time to it. Um, I have it. uh, I don't have it on my phone anymore, but I took a picture. I have uh, a thing that monitors heartbeats and heart rate variability. Um, And so the other day I woke up early and I was meditating downstairs and having a daughter who's wild and crazy and, um, Actually, having a daughter who's very embodied and assertive in all the good ways. I want to I want to reframe that because I, I think we often ascribe those two words, wild and crazy, to younger kids. I think there's a negative connotation to them. And I, I want to honor her presence that it's not just blatantly there. She's she's very strong in her conviction. So I want to honor her. Um, anyways, <laughs> having her wake up in the morning. I never know when she's going to come down. So sometimes it's hard for me to meditate in the morning because I could get up at six and she could be up 15 minutes later. Um, So I've tried to make a practice of even if it's 10 minutes long, I'm going to spend this time doing it. And I, I was interested in it the other day to see what my heart rate would do, knowing that she'd be up soon. So I did this 10 minute meditation. And at the beginning, my heart rate was, I don't know, 70 something like that. And 
when you look at the heartbeat and where it goes, the first couple minutes, it was still there. And then the last seven minutes, it dropped down to 47, right? Wow. And I'm saying this because I want to illustrate the point of that practice, even 10 minutes long, has a generative outcome, has a really good um, flow to it that it can be beneficial, even if it's that seven minute period time. Yeah. And I will say um, for me, I, I can't even sit for seven. I can't sit for two minutes, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I did um, recently read uh, the Vish, see if I can pronounce this correctly, the Vijnana Bhairava, uh, mm-hmm. which is in um, a te- an ancient yogic text. And that describes several ways, I believe 108 maybe <laughs> ways to meditate. And it's, it's very moment to moment. Like even if, you know, I'm sitting outside and I just look and there's a bird flying and wow, that's beautiful. That's meditation because yeah. for that moment, I was totally present. 100%. So even to just start like that and just be able to be aware of those brief moments, uh, it's just yeah. a nice Better- way to settle that awareness to those moments is where it starts. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, I'm glad you said that. Cause I do think so many people think it is uh, a specific allotted period of time right. where you're in there. Um, but the discipline of that awareness while you're doing it is, is what really gets the bang for the buck, if mm-hmm. so to speak. Awesome. All right. So again, not to put you on the spot, but you mentioned the eight limbs, right? Right. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I can, and I'll be honest, I pulled them up to make sure I don't, <laughs> I don't that's why, forget any. That's why I preferenced it before. I'm like, oh, hopefully Angelica pulls it up if she doesn't know, remember all of them right now. I appreciate it. So yes, the eight limbs of yoga include the yamas and niyamas, which are basically... Um, the yamas are basically ethical standards, so nonviolence, truthfulness, non-stealing, um, non-covetousness, continence. Niyamas are more about the self and self-discipline, so cleanliness, contentment, heat, svadhyaya, which is self-study um, and surrender to the universe, to God, to the higher power, however you want to word it. So asana is the physical practice. It's again, only one limb. And then pranayama is the, the various breathing practices. It's the focus on the breath and technically the life energy. Um, pratyahara is the withdrawal or sensory transcendence. Um, and then dhyana is concentration. Dhyana is meditation. And samadhi is this state of ecstasy. It's usually this indescribable. That's, that's where everybody's trying to get. <laughs> Can you describe that a little bit more? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so way more complicated than just the, the general concept of what yoga is, at least in, in, generalized American society of, oh, let me go do my yoga. I have my mat. I have, uh, you know, like clothes that are comfortable to do it. And I'm going to bang out these forms or, you know, these poses. Right. Right. Yeah. It's more about 
the, the physical practice is more of a metaphor. You know, it's not about getting to the handstand. It's about forgiving yourself when you fall. It's about trying again when you fail, you know, it's, it's that part of the practice. And I love that because I, I was just on another podcast recently and I was talking to them about yoga and I was owning kind of like you about wanting to be a badass, focusing only on the asanas and say, oh, okay, I can do this. Ha ha. Oh, there's a, another person who's a yoga teacher and, and she can't do that. And I found my ego, again, a disconnection instead of a, a connecting space was getting in the way of me progressing in yoga. Yeah, maybe I could bang out, um, you know, these different asanas, but I wasn't connecting the way I needed to connect and get the benefit from it. And I think that was humbling, right? But also I needed to be humbled in that sense to move forward. Yeah. And in a sense, it's, it's kind of a, like forgiveness to the self, like you don't have to do that. Like, like you don't have to do a handstand to be good at yoga or to be good, you know, like (laughs) you can just practice. Imagine though, if you had to, to nail a handstand to be a good person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That'd be an interesting society. Yeah. Oh, that person's good. They're walking on their hands. Man, I really suck. I'm walking on my feet right now. That's At least great. we'd all know. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't we'll have avoid. Not too many, too much guesswork on on who's who. If, if right. Kind of figure that out. Um. So we've talked a lot about your journey and why it's happened and what you've been chasing for I don't want to say chasing because that that means that there's an end goal of of catching it and capturing it and I think what we're talking about is is an ongoing thing I don't think it's uh hey I, I mastered yoga I'm good to go but can you tell me a little bit about some of the things you may have learned along the way besides just the intended things that we were talking about like learning how to work with trauma or learning different asanas or different parts of the the eight eight limbs. Um, what are some of the surprising things that have come up for you that you kind of hold close and say, Oh, okay. I learned that even though the intent wasn't related to that. it just kind of came up through the practice of living my yoga. That's a really good question for me, at least in terms of since I've been teaching, um, I've been learning to slow down um, and take that space. Cause even as a teacher, I would teach much faster classes um, because it, for myself with my own trauma, it is hard to sit still. I have, yeah. I, that's not fun for me. So let's move, let's get on the mat. And then, and then we'll Shavasana because we're too tired to do anything else. Um, so I've learned to slow down in my practice, but also uh, I think in my life, um, you know, I still have busy days, but I think I've, I've made it more of a priority, at least at the end of the day to be like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to turn off that part of me and relax, you know? Um, I've also learned to, to sort of let go of that need to be good or better than as well. Um, Cause I would also compare myself to other teachers oh I I don't do things like that you know Mm -hmm. um 
but why, you know, like we can both teach and we can have both different practice, you know, two yeah. different practices. And that's the beauty of it is that we can learn from each other. Um, and I don't have to be better than anybody. And I don't have to be better than my last class. You know, it's all right. just different. There is no better than. And so I used to be a perfectionist. I'm probably still a perfectionist in some <laughs> aspects, but, <laughs> but that's, so it's a sort of letting go of, of all of that. That's awesome. I think you nailed that question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so I, I have a couple more questions and sure. um, they're my standard end of, end of the interview kind of questions that I want to just throw out to you and, and have you ruminate on. Uh, so I'm going to tell you both and you can decide what order you want to do them in. Uh, the first is if you had any superpower, what would it be and why? Like if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? And then the second question is, is what do you believe your superpower is? Those are really tricky questions. So <laughs> for the superpower I wish I had, I generally always say that I wish I could read minds, not for any insidious purpose, but because I'm relatively insecure so if i can read someone's mind and just know that like they're not super annoyed or anything <laughs> <laughs> then i'll just you know then i could just keep going with the conversation like regular um right. what power do i think i have i just learned to make caramel <laughs> that feels like a superpower right now. <laughs> a dangerous I, one <laughs> it's a dangerous superpower i like that uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, though. I, I want something a little bit deeper since we're talking about deep, deeper uh, concepts. That is a great superpower. Sure. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, I guess. I guess I would just say empathy or maybe more than that. I would say the the combination of empathy and resilience that anybody has who has been through a difficult life situation and come out the other end because that's already hard enough. But to then turn around and say, I want to help others. I feel like, like I don't, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I have the utmost respect for those types of people. And so I'm just trying to emulate that. And I guess that is the power I'm going for. <laughs> Well, I'd say you have that power. I know sometimes <laughs> it's hard to, I, I, I put that question in there because I think so much of what people I talk to on the podcast are doing really gracious work and, and, and tough work and, and helping others. And I like for them to sit with that question a little bit, because that's one of the hardest things to really come up to, especially with being on this spot, like it is unless you listen to a lot of my podcasts, you knew the questions were <laughs> coming because they come almost every episode. Right. I think there's one or two that I, the episode was so on track. I didn't want to interrupt it with, with the questions, but I, I put it in there because I think it's important for that self-reflection. And um, I'd say that you definitely do have those powers um, or you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. You know, that ability to be empathetic and resilient you've learned along the way and, and continue to learn because it is an ongoing process. Um, so I just, I just want that um, 
to be known for everyone listening is that Angelica is a little, little modest about it, but I'll toot her horn for her. <laughs> awesome with that stuff. So cool. All right. So any last bits of wisdom or gems of knowledge that you would like to drop on our listeners? Uh, I just wanted to mention, we, we did, we did talk a little bit about, um, like how this applies in, in BIPOC situations. And I, mm. myself am Puerto Rican. Um, and so I will say for, from my perspective, mm. um, that the all for one, you know, we all are one concept is an absolute truth that is totally misunderstood and misrepresented in this world right and so the practice of yoga is not this floofy oh we're all one and we practice (laughs) yoga so everything's fine it's it's if you are truly practicing yoga then you are practicing for true equality for everyone because we are all truly in this together um and it is harder um for a lot of a lot of people to, to find that meditation in those quiet spaces, but it's not impossible. And sometimes it is better, you know, once people are able to find that they love it. But um, you know, I know a lot of people that really enjoy yin classes. I myself have not gotten to, to that point. Well, you have to stay still for a long time in yin classes. Right. It's hard to turn the mind off for sure. But um but it is not out of reach for anybody, for any body. I love that <laughs> for anybody. Um, you know, I think it's so important what you just said, because I think a lot of times our society. So a concept that we didn't talk about that I think I'm just going to bring up. And I think it's important for for people to think about, too, is. The general, conso- the, the general concept of yoga, like we've referenced a couple of times, is are these asanas, are these things? And I think without diving deeper and knowing about these other parts, that's what people attribute to yoga. Right. And I think one of the things that's really interesting now is with Instagram and TikTok and all these social media things is that Oh, man, I sounded really old when I said that, all these social media things. Um, is that this concept of influencers and what you see out there and what I feel like is coming more to light is, you know, when you think of yoga and wellness, there is this attribute that's, that's kind of being put out there of uh, whiteness that's associated with it. And I think what you were saying is so important is, is that there are differences, but every body can access it in a way that's healing and therapeutic and, and health inspiring for them. And I, I want to kind of put that out there too, is that even though the image might be of something that you would see from an influencer on Instagram or something of that nature, um, it's much, much more deeper and there are more deeper. My mom's going to kill me. It's much deeper than that. And I think there are areas where you can access it with people like you who hold that space and keep, keep that space open. So I want to thank you for all that work. Of course. Um, 
the least I can do, literally. Um, and yoga was started by black and brown people. So right. exactly, <laughs> so right? it is, it's, it's weird how far practice. it's come, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, I recently learned about um, comedic yoga, which I hadn't totally known about before. So it's the, the concept that, um, or it's the branch of yoga out of Kemet, which is Egypt. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now that sounds that, really badass. I, I'm intrigued. I'm gonna have to do some research on that. That sounds it's cool. very cool. Yeah, I'll send you a link. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I had a thought. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, so you said everybody can access it, and everybody deserves to access it. Is just exactly. Yeah, I like that. Thanks for the reframe. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Angelica, I, I'm honored that you came on the podcast. I. I really excited that you did. I'm, I'm glad we could sit down and uh, I thank you for coming and, and sharing and I appreciate everything that you're doing. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on and I appreciate everything you're doing as well. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at the Promethean Project dot org if you want to learn more about the promethean project or if you would like to donate to our cause you can reach us at the promethean project.org if you really do enjoy this podcast please share with your friends please like our posts on social media on instagram and on facebook and please leave us a review on apple podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.